Hello, good afternoon, and thank you for taking your time to speak with us today. We just have a few questions prepared, and with that, we are all ready to start. Thank so you so you, much for having me. <laughs> so would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, absolutely. So um, hello, everyone. I am Dr. Jyoti Sonkar. I am a foreign-trained uh, periodontist, meaning I've completed my early education and my dental school degree in India, Mumbai, per se. And then I moved to United States about 10 years ago to pursue my dream of becoming a periodontist. So I am a board-certified periodontist and a clinical assistant professor at Boston University. So what is a periodontist and clinical assistant professor? Sure. So a periodontist is an advanced dental specialty degree wherein you would have to be a dentist, meaning you would have to undergo four years of dental school uh, to be a dentist. And then you would have to undergo additional three years to become a periodontist. And periodontist is basically a field of dentistry that deals with gums and bone regeneration and treatments with dental implants. So we basically are in a way, if I want to compare our profession, we're basically uh, construction workers that lay the groundwork for the building so, uh, for you guys to have any sort of implants or any other restorative needs in case you have a missing tooth. So periodontists are really important to lay that groundwork and give you the tissues that you might have lost because of any sort of oral infection or any trauma or any congenital problems. So what would you say is the typical day, both as a periodontist as well as a clinical assistant professor? So I work at Boston University where um, my 60% of the time is divided being a professor and the other 40% as being a periodontist. So when I'm a clinical assistant professor, a good chunk of my day goes on the floor, on the clinic floor, when I'm teaching dental students on how to do certain periodontal procedures. And that could involve anywhere between doing a regular oral examination, um, cleaning, or a deep cleaning, um, and even surgeries. A lot of periodontal surgeries like uh, placing a dental implant and any of those bone and gum related surgery. Um, I also do a lot of classroom teaching. So that's usually what builds up my day as a clinical assistant professor. Now, when I'm working as a periodontist, I would usually work about eight hours a day where I would have on an average about um, 90 minutes to two hours uh, scheduled for a surgery. I typically do two to four surgeries a day. In between, I would do a lot of uh, consults, meaning I would talk to the patients and um, help them come up with a treatment plan. And I would also do a lot of post-op appointments, meaning I would see those patients where I've done a surgery and I'm just following up with them. And that's basically a 10 minute appointment where I would make sure everything is healing fine. I have to maybe take out the stitches and you know, just answer any questions where patient might have um, any follow-up questions after the surgery. So 
my periodontist day is usually very, very busy where I'm like on my toes. I'm doing surgeries, then I'm doing consults, and I'm doing follow-ups, and then I'm just exhausted by the end of the day. So you said that it was your dream to be a periodontist. So what or who or what first introduced you into dentistry and then um, sparked your interest to becoming a periodontist? So I come from a family of doctors. Uh, like a lot of Indian parents, you either have an option of becoming a doctor or an engineer. Apparently, Indian parents don't know anything else. So my father is a physician. So I always knew that I wanted to be in medicine. The reason I decided to be a dentist, and I'm actually the first dentist in my family. All my other family members um, are physicians and um, ha have specialized in, um, in family medicine or internal medicine. But I was the first one to pursue dentistry is because I've seen my father struggle with family and work-life balance. Um, and for most part of it, he really was busy over the weekends, um, busy with on-calls, patient emergency. So I decided that uh, whereas I, I am interested in medicine, but I also want to have a family where I want to have kids. So I wanted to um, maintain a good work family life balance. And seeing a lot of my, my own family dentist, I would see how relaxed and um, he was better able to have a grasp of his life. Um, so that prompted me to pursue me uh, dentistry um, as a profession. And I'm so glad that I did that. Uh, and I would tell you all in a minute as to why I chose and why I'm so gratified and blessed to be a dentist. So, so I pursued dentistry. And I always knew I wanted to specialize because I was uh, I had this um, saying in my mind where I knew that I don't want I didn't want to be a master of all trades. I wanted to be an expert on one thing and master that. And I wanted that to be my niche. So when I went out there on the job market, I wouldn't have to compete with a lot of other general dentists. But at the same time, I would have a niche that I would want people to hire me. So I knew I wanted to specialize, but I didn't know what, because dentistry has about seven to 12 fields um, that is CODA certified, meaning that's recognized by American Dental Society uh, that would give you the privilege of being a specialty and command a certain level of respect and fee um, so I had a lot of options to choose from. I chose on perio, meaning periodontics, uh, because it was a it was one of those incidents um, that I faced in my third year of dental school. Um, in India, you would have to rotate through all the different fields of dentistry when you're in your third year, meaning you would rotate one to two months in every specialty and see patients. So while I was on my rotation in periodontics, I had a, I had a very challenging uh, episode. I was very new. I was just, I would say about four to five months into my third year. So I had very limited clinical um, experience because my first two years of my dental school, I was in the lab doing a lot of simulation work and it was all on mannequins. So I didn't really have a lot of real life patient experience. And it was just four to five months that I had just entered clinics. My, my clinical skills, my patient management skills were really limited. And I was 20. 
because in India you don't have to go through four years of four years of college. After high school, you could pursue dental school. So I was barely a twenty-year-old kid with very limited clinical um, experience, and I had this episode. I I just I just started my day in my rotation, and I had this patient where I was about to do a cleaning. And this patient was in a lot of pain, and he told me, "Doctor, I I want a cleaning, but could you just address this pain? I have this boil on my gum in my lower right side, and it's been keeping me awake for a past few days, and I can't do anything. Uh, I'm taking Tylenol, I'm taking some pain medications, but it's not really helping me. So before you start the cleaning, can you just help me deal with this pain?" And um, and I was like, yeah, sure. I'm gonna try to help you as much as I can. And I reflect the cheeks, and I can see there is a big boil. And there's a big boil, meaning it's a swollen gum in the lower right side region in your lower jaw, right back in the right side in the posterior, meaning at the back side of your jaw. I see this uh, big boil, uh, and I'm like thinking through all my oral pathology classes, like what this would be. And I, I don't really know. I feel like it's sort of a gum abscess, but I can't really tell what's happening and what's causing that pain to the patient. But when I press it, um, there is some pus coming out of it and the patient is in pain. So I tell my faculty that, uh, you know, um, this is what the patient has and can you help me? While my faculty was one of the best faculties, but she couldn't really offer me a one-on-one -on -one, um, assistance because India, there's a lot of, there's a billion populations. You see a lot of uh, patients on an average in adult school. And my faculty at that point was um, seeing like 20 students at a time. So what she told me, she patiently explained me a procedure where she explained me that I would have to approach the boil. I would have to make a cut around the boil to relieve the pressure because the boil had so much pus underneath that was pressing all the uh, anatomical structures and that's why the patient was in pain and at this point all you want to do is just relieve the pain by cutting open the boil and it wasn't a big deal it was just a small cut you wanted to do with the blade and just relieve the pressure and then schedule the patient uh, after 24 hours and then I can help you better. But right now I'm in so much rush that I can't help you. I can't hold your hands, but I can explain you. And I was like, sure, I'll, like, I'll, I'll do whatever you tell me. But keep in mind, it was just five months and I'd barely um, uh, held a dental mirror and a probe to help the patient, let alone uh, holding a blade. I mean, I've read about it, but I had no idea. And there I'm sweating, but at the same time, I want to put a brave front uh, in front of my faculty so she should have faith in me that I can do this and also put a brave front um, in front of my patients um, so that I can be confident and keep my patient calm and at the same time, let him know that, yes, I can totally take care of you. So I did it. Um, it was one of those really stressful afternoons. I followed the instructions. I was able to make a nick. I was able to drain the pus. Um, and you know what? Within the 30 minutes of that, the patient uh, started feeling pain and it was just reducing. The patient was like, okay, on a scale of one to 10, when I came to you, my pain was a, a nine. And now after whatever you did, 
uh, it's like five. So I feel a little bit better. So I was like, okay, thank God I did whatever I have to. I gave him some medications and I scheduled him for a 24 hour follow up. The next uh, day, first thing in the morning, I had the patient scheduled. I had my faculty with me. And you know what? When I took a look, patient was completely relieved. Patient told me that for the first uh, night in the past three days, I was able to sleep. Uh, and thank you so much for that. And, and I don't feel that bump anymore. And when I reflected the cheeks, the gums had just healed. The day before, the gum, gum, the gum had this swollen big boil. It was red, it was angry, and it had some bleeding and some pus when I was pressing it. The next day, it was still red, but it was more of a pinkish red. So that episode was one of the most um, impressionable episode in my life. There are a couple of things. I was able to help a patient that was in pain. And at the same time, I was able to see um, an immediate change in the gums. So that, that showed me that I could provide an immediate gratification to the patient uh, by doing a very simple procedure. And that was one of my founding steps in, in that, that I want to become a periodontist, that I want to help people. After um, tooth pain, perio pain, gum pain is one of the second most common dental emergencies people or patients face in this world. So being able to help them and relieve the pain and at the same time be able to heal the gum tissue is something that I thrive on. And that's the th that moment I decided that I want to be a periodontist. So who do you think should pursue the career of a periodontist? So I would say that first, if, uh, if uh, the audience is a pre-dental uh, students or people who are in high school and college and interested in being a dentist, I wanna say this first, uh, periodontist is gonna be a long-time commitment. So the couple of things that I tell all my students uh, is that if you're interested, first, you have to be a dentist. So people I would suggest who want to be a dentist would be someone who are passionate, who are empathetic, who um, have a little bit of uh, a motivation in their heart that they want to help people um, would be the kind of audience that I would say that, yes, you should be in healthcare profession. That could be being a nurse, being a physician or being a dentist. So if you think you are one of those people, I would suggest those people to surely um, consider pursuing a, a healthcare profession. Now in that, if you, uh, if you wanna be someone that wanna have a family who is um, wanting to have a balance and work-life balance, dentistry is a good option compared to being a physician just because of the flexibility of work. Um, not having a weekend hustle is going to be so much um, gratifying to those people. So those people uh, would be someone that I would suggest that you want to follow dentistry. As a female, I feel a lot of 
uh, dentists are females just because, you know, we we want to have a family, we want to raise a kid. So we want those uh, flexibility. Uh, we want those uh, no hustle weekends. Um, and that was one of the reasons I became a dentist. So if you are one of those people, um, dentistry would be a good option. But even for uh, boys, even for men, um, if you want to have a good work-life balance, and you're also good with your hands. I was a very good painter. I really, as in my school early on, I received a lot of um, accolades, and my teachers really told me that I had a good hand skill. And later on, when I, when I became um, an admissions in dental school, an admissions faculty, having a good hand skill, students that had, that demonstrated hobbies um, that required good um, hand skills or eye-hand coordinations would be the kind of students that we would choose for um, interviews. So if you think you have any of those skills, that's when I would recommend you um, to choose dentistry. Can you elaborate more on skills that would require like hand-eye coordination? Can that be shown through like small things like knitting or crocheting or what kind of things show that skill? Absolutely. So as I mentioned, uh, one of the experiences that I, ha I had when I was a dental school faculty um, admissions committee member where we would have a lot of um, applications one of the ways uh, we would sort out the applications is, of course, you want to have a good GPA, a DAT score, um, your good um, um, postal statement, your volunteer work experience. One of the other things that we would sort out the application package is someone that has demonstrated an extracurricular activity that has involved hand skills or eye motor coordinations. And there's a scientific reason for that. People who early on have developed a fine tactile sensitivity with their hands. Tactile meaning ability to use their hands and feel um, um, and perceive um, situations with their hands or with their feet that's the tactile sensation, are more um, likely to be a good dentist. And that could be any people that are into music, playing guitar, violin, um, or any sort of Indian classical instruments that requires a lot of intricate hand movements. Um, anyone that has uh, shown a good um, accolades in painting, knitting, crocheting, uh, what else? Uh, piano um, would be one of the contenders for us to uh, not toss those applications out, but consider those applications. So if you're asking me how, while you're in your high school, or while you're in your college, is there anything else extracurricularly that we can do? Is if you have a knack for any of these activities that I mentioned, or if you don't, now is a good time to explore um, your hobbies that, that would require um, hand skills or eye motor coordinations, um, even gaming, if you're a video gamer, because that requires a lot of um, on the mind, on the uh, um, like in-person thinking and a lot of eye hand motor coordination, sometimes feet coordination, depending on what you have. Um, 
that would be something that we would give uh, more importance while we are sorting out your application package. And if you have won awards, uh, being like a school, high school awards at a state level, national level, that's even much more better. That kind of extracurricular activity would still be beneficial than you randomly um, um, winning an award and swimming. It's still a very good accolade, but it doesn't really uh, necessarily correlate to dentistry. But if you have won awards or you've excelled by means of scoring high scores or just um, having any sort of honors or awards with any of these hobbies, that would be um, a very good asset in your application and will make you very competitive um, for the dental school application. So what would you say are the advantages and disadvantages of pursuing a periodontist? So uh, let's start with uh, disadvantages first and then I'll come to the good points. Uh, being a periodontist will require a lot of investment in terms of time because it takes at least four years of dental school and three years of additional perio specialty. So that's seven years more of your time after college. And that also would require a lot of money because dental school is really expensive and dental specialty is also expensive. So you would on an average accumulate anywhere between half a million dollar um, to $700,000, depending on how cheap you want to stay in terms of your accommodations and all of that. So it's a lot of investment in terms of your time and money. So you need to be really up for that kind of um, an investment. And at the same time, you really have to be dedicated, committed, disciplined, uh, and show consistent hard work. There will be times where you just want to give up and, you know, just not do it just because it requires you to be at the top of your game. You have to be always doing well in your dental school, scoring um, higher scores to get into dental specialty. Because let's say you have a very good hand skills in a dental school, but if you don't do very well in your exams, you don't do very well in your um, um, national boards, uh, you might not get into a dental specialty because periodontics is a surgical dental specialty. Anything that's surgical requires you to really be at the top of your class, maybe the top 10% of your class in dental school to be able to um, even score a good interview for dental, for dental specialty. So you really have to work hard for the first four years after, after your college in your dental school, you really have to be at your top game. So that requires a lot of dedication. You, would, you might miss out on partying. You might miss out on being a young adult uh, because that's what I did. I missed out uh, in my 20s. All I was doing was studying uh, on the weekends while my other friends who were not in dental schools were partying and going out and, you know, spending time and vacationing. And I didn't have the money because I was dental school student. I was poor. I had to just keep studying. So I missed out on a lot of my 20s. So that is all the disadvantages. But that being said, now that I'm a periodontist, it's one of the most rewarding things I've done in my life. I am 32. 
and I'm one of the youngest periodontists and a clinical assistant professor at Boston University. Um, I have a very gratifying job where I am able to help people make them smile. Um, and just by the fact that I get a call from my patient saying that, Doc, you really helped me. You relieved me of, of my pain, lets me sleep so much better at night. At the same time, you get a lot of respect for being uh, a doctor. I mean, periodontist is a dentist, but you're still a doctor. You get a lot of respect in your community from my family, from my parents, from my um, friends. You uh, have a very good uh, flexibility. I can choose to work three days and still make a good amount of money, uh, but I choose to work five days a week. But I know a lot of my colleagues that just work three days and have a four day long weekend and still make a lot of money and be in a high income bracket. So that's the flexibility you get. And um, you just, uh, sky is the limit for you when it comes to earning money. Uh, it really gives you a good six figure salary. And the more you put in the hard work, the more money you make, which could be a good thing, which could be a bad thing. Whatever your life goals are, it gives you that opportunity um, to at least uh, make that much income and have a lifestyle that uh, you might want to have. So it's all the hard work that I've done in my 20s. I'm hoping to cash that in my 30s and my 40s and my 50s. So I know that you mentioned that it's a lot of studying and in, uh, like time investment. Um, did you ever like hit um, a block or a lack of motivation or just was extremely stressed to the point where you're like, is this even worth it? Is it worth my time? If you did, how did you deal with it and kind of just get over it? So I did um, hit rock bottom after dental school when I applied to a dental, to a dental specialty for periodontics and I did get into it. But uh, the tuition was $80,000 a year. And so that was $80,000 times three plus extra money for my accommodation for, you know, for living off. And um, I applied for a loan and I didn't get the loan. So that was really a dark phase in my life where I cried uh, to my parents that I did everything by the book. I, I was a good student. I was a good uh, young adult. I did everything right. I invested my time. I missed out on a lot of uh, young adulthood experiences only to reach a point where I have an admission uh, for periodontics at a nice, at a very reputed dental school, but I don't have the money to go. Um, and uh, I was just depressed, I gave up. But at the same time, um, I had other options. I wanted to go to the school in the South, um, that was LSU. Um, and um, I would talk, I can talk more and more about why I wanted to go to LSU and just to uh, keep it concise, LSU was one of the only uh, leading dental schools that uh, gave you exposure to microsurgery, where you do surgeries under the microscope for periodontics. So that was my backup option that I wanted to get into, but I didn't get into. Um, in fact, I got into a different dental school, which was really expensive. And I was like, you know, I still want to go, but 
I didn't have the money. So it was a really dark time. I was really depressed for the first few weeks and my parents just couldn't help me out because it was a lot of money. So um, after just brooding, just, you know, it was just not doing anything, just eating uh, comfort food for the few weeks, sleeping over and crying over. I was like, you know what? I've come this far. I'm not going to give up. Um, okay, I couldn't get into this dental school. Um, I can't afford to go into this dental school. And any every other dental school that I applied, I didn't get into. But I'm going to make this work. So I emailed um, LSU program director because that was a really dental school that I really wanted to go. I emailed the program director and asked her, like, why was my application rejected? I really was passionate about coming to LSU. And I I uh, noted down, like, 10 reasons why I wanted to be into LSU. Uh, um, and I showed my passion. Uh, and yet I was rejected. So I asked the program director, what am I lacking? So now this advice is just for foreign trained dentists, just because I was a foreign trained dentist. She told me that your scores are excellent you have everything good on paper but what you were lacking was some clinical experience in this country in the united states um, so if you maybe have some clinical experience uh, and if you apply next year i might consider you so i was like okay um, so that year i couldn't get into periodontics so i didn't want to waste a year so what do i do so i applied to agd AGD is Advanced Education in General Dentistry. It's one to two years of certificate um, um, clinical degree in dentistry that you could do after dental school. Um, that would just, it's a one year degree where you just see patients. And depending on the program, you either uh, pay tuition or you get paid for it. So I was fortunate enough to get into a AGD uh, program. It was a one-year AGD program in UT, Mem UT Memphis, um, where I got paid. I got a paid like a peanut stipend, but it was good enough for me to pay my rent and take care of my food and groceries. And I just got exposed to a lot of clinical work. I saw a lot of patients, did a lot of general dentistry work, and I applied again to a lot of dental schools, including LSU. And you know what? The program director saw my passion and saw how committed and dedicated I was. I emailed, I applied, and I emailed that I have gotten that clinical experience that you wanted me, and here's my application. And I'll be honored if you would give me at least a chance to interview. And there I got a chance to interview, and I was one of the eight applicants to be selected. Um, and eventually, I was able to get my periodontics degree uh, from LSU. So periodontics, depending on the school, you only have three to four seats. And maybe in some schools in the Northeast, you might have nine seats. But on an average, in every dental school, you might have only three seats, and you have about 150 applicants for those seats. So it's really competitive. It's really competitive. So you really have to be on your A game. You really have to uh, be consistent, show your dedication and motivation. And I believe the program director of LSE was able to see that, um, see that dedication and that motivation. And that how that's how I got into um, LSU. Um, so, yeah. So what are some tips that you have for students that want to pursue periodontists, like either from high school, college, or pre-dental? So one of the things I would say is uh, you have to be a dentist in order to be a, in order to be a periodontist. Um, and periodontist degree 
is a niche degree where you really, it's basically the plastic surgery of uh, the mouth. So I compare periodontics to be uh, the plastic surgeon of the mouth. So despite having uh, a good hand skill, you really have to have a very refined hand skills because you do a lot of intricate, delicate surgeries in the mouth where you give, um, uh, you really see a lot of high demanding patients and you really do a lot of highly aesthetic work. So if you go wrong, you can really botch the surgery and the patient can really get upset. And um, and your patients are really high demanding when it comes to periodontics because a lot of the things you do is a lot of beautification of their mouth, of their smile. So these patients are really demanding. And for you to be able to manage them, you really need to be, uh, have. you really need to have two things, a sound knowledge of the field, and you really need to have extremely refined hand skills to be able to do that aesthetic job. So, if you are one of those people, then you should definitely get into periodontics. And remember, it's a very competitive field. After oral surgery and orthodontics, meaning oral surgery is the oral surgeon of the of the mouth, and orthodontics meaning braces. People who dentists who do braces, periodontics is one of the most sought after um, competitive dental specialty. So you, for that, you really need to be a good student in terms of having good academic background. So as a high school student, as a college student, you really need to score well. You really need to do well on your DAT. That's um, the dental aptitude test that you would take during your college degree, uh, college time to get into dental schools. So you really need to ace, ace that. And at the same time, you really need to uh, portray your passion towards helping people by means of being a part of a good community service um, um, or volunteer organization. I mean, something on your application should show that you are really passionate about helping people. So what I did since my father was a physician and as a physician, I had a bit of an upper hand uh, right through my dental school. I'm sorry, right through my high school, I was, uh, I used to volunteer in Rotary Club. A Rotary Club is an international nonprofit organization that would do a lot of medical dental checkups, um, a lot of other social work. So I was actively involved in a lot of non-health related social work in my high school. And then I, when, when I was in my college, I would do a lot of um, health related um, social work where I would volunteer and do, um, I don't know, um, measure blood pressure or uh, do uh, blood testing uh, for some um, nonprofit uh, community health center services. So I, I was really involved in a lot of those volunteer work. And then once I was a dentist, uh, when I was in a dental school, I would do a lot of dental camps, dental checkups, and just volunteer my time to a lot of those organizations. So that I believe also helped made my application really strong for my dental specialty um, degree. When I was applying for periodontal uh, degree to all those dental schools, my application had a long history of volunteering work. And I really had good scores uh, in all of my 
examinations and um, I was a skilled painter. I had won a lot of awards. So I don't know if that matter, uh, but I believe it did play a role somewhere. Uh, at the same time, after down school, I took a break. I did master's in public health. So I expanded my set of skills through public health degree. I, I expanded my skills to do research. I had a lot of um, skills in occupational health safety. So apart from being a periodontist, I do have those additional skills where I can do practice management and also do research. Um, and I can be a good asset to a dental school as a faculty. I just don't know the stuff about periodontics, but I can also help them in performing a lot of research and um, help them in a lot of administrative work. So public health, uh, help me expand my skill sets. So that also played a very important role uh, to for me to get uh, to where I am today. So depending on um, what your interests are, you could possibly, you know, consider things like that. So to wrap things up, um, we usually ask this question to most of our um, people we interview, but do you really think that grades really define like who you are? Like, do you think that they're really important or should students mostly focus on like the tests that you have to get in to like get good scores for like dental school or like should they also focus on extracurriculars? So um, I agree um, that grades don't definitely define you uh, and it's a mix of both. But one thing I have learned from being on the other side, um, being in the, on the admissions committee, that we really look for somebody that has a well-balanced application. So we've had applications where the students have really excelled on paper, really have scored highest grades, but didn't really have anything else in life. All they did was study, study, and study and we still did not accept them. Um, because one of the things, being a healthcare professional, um, what we're looking at is, uh, in the students' uh, file is that you wanna be someone mature, someone who has a well-balanced life experience in their teenage and their young adulthood, because that shows how mature and how stable your brain is. And that's one of the qualities we are looking in a healthcare professional. As a dentist, as a physician, you might um, handle people from all walks of life. Uh, and you might want to deal with such uh, people uh, with maturely and, you know, have a just have a kind of a sane mind where you can make some sound clinical judgments um, and have some uh, good communication skills where you can manage your patients. And people who are just nerds might not necessarily have those skills developed to reach a stage where they have a good mature personality and a brain to handle such kind of experiences in life. So what defines uh, that is someone who has excelled in academia and not necessarily even excelled. Sometimes we even oversee people that have um, uh, not excelled are just average students, but somewhere through their application they have demonstrated passion for helping people. 
Um, so that could be balancing your grades, balancing your extracurricular activity, uh, which shows that you had a life apart from being a student. And that's important to have a life, to have a well-balanced personality and a good, sound, mature brain. So a balance of that and also have a balance of, um, you know, community work um, and volunteering work and having some sort of a skill set that would show uh, that you've you've done something to uh, that you have a knack of being a dentist because it's really competitive. So we. I mean, for um, a 60 seat in town school, we get like 500 applications. So there, even though we don't want grades to be a defining factor, but we are humans, there's only a certain way we can sort out the applications. So grades is one of the important factors, but what helps us pick out our application is someone that has dedicated or have uh, demonstrated uh, a hobby, particularly that um, shows some of the hand skills. So carpentry, painting, music would be some of the things that we're looking into to just help us sort your applications and make it better. So just to answer your questions, great, do not necessarily define your um, passion. But at the same time, because dentistry is such a competitive field, grades, unfortunately, do matter. But again, we've taken some dental students where they really performed poorly uh, in, in their schoolwork, but they had an explanation for that. And they also demonstrated how they were able to come out of that and score well. So for example, I had this one student that did not do well at all in, um, in, in their sophomore year. They got Cs all around. But at the same time, that student did mention that she had some life-altering uh, challenges in her life and that she couldn't really uh, focus uh, in college. But at the same time, in her third year, in her junior year and in her uh, senior year of college, she was able to pull back and get her grades back online uh, and on track. And we accepted her as a dental school student. So life happens, but as long as you're able to demonstrate that you were able to pull back out from it, all is not lost. You still have a good chance in making it to a dental school. And with that, we will wrap up this interview. That's all we have for you today. Thank you so much for this opportunity. And to all the listeners, you can find her on Instagram at Perio Nerd for more of her. And we hope to see you all on the next episode of Medicare Shots Show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs>